welcome back to the If It Fits podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Payne. And I'm your other host, Michelle Jane. So how's your week been, Jess? Um, well, do you know, I feel like, when did we do our last podcast? I feel like we've literally just done it. Did we do it Sunday? We did it Sunday, didn't we? Yeah, we only did it Sunday. And we're doing it yeah. early this week, and we? Yeah, doing it early as well. So yeah, we've had like four days. So in that four days, <laughs> I feel like it hasn't been a week, has it? <laughs> no, exactly. But no, I've just literally just exactly the same as, as always. Same story, working. I've literally just logged off work now. So my brain is a little bit fuzzy. I've just said to you, didn't I? I'm uh, just feeling a bit fuzzy. I've just eaten all my afternoon snacks. I just had my lunch. Um, I've had a protein bar and a rice cake with Nutella all in the last hour and a half because for some reason I'm just really tired and starving today. <laughs> but how about you? How's your week? Yeah, good. So busy. I've got the 10 week plan setting soon. So oh, just yeah. um, getting them done. And nightmare this week, my washing machine was supposed to turn up on Wednesday. And when it did, it was outside in, because I live up a lane. So it turned up and it was in a lorry. And they refused to, because where I live, I live on like a hen, hen house and they could have got in on the side of my house because right. of the big, big lorry. They said they couldn't like maneuver around and they were like, oh, it's against the law for us to stay here for 20 minutes. So my washing machine was literally outside and they refused to bring it in because they couldn't leave the lorry on my lane. So they had what? to go and they got to bring it back now in a transit van next Wednesday. Oh God, so you're without a washing machine now. <laughs> so I'm without but... a washing machine still. Oh, so no. I just had to pop on my washing down Phil's mum's. Uh, well, do you know what? My cousin, um, I saw she posted on Facebook a couple of days ago, her tumble dryer caught fire in the middle of the night. Her boyfriend oh, got up to go to the toilet and um, the house was on fire. The kitchen was on fire. Smoke was coming through and yeah, tumble dryer was... I, I never put my tumble dryer on when we go to bed because I'm always scared. I don't know whether she had it on or I'm assuming she did. But yeah, how scary is that? Yeah. <laughs> Mega scary. But yeah, it's just been mental. And do you know what? Actually, after we filmed our podcast on training styles a few days ago, I decided to change my training <laughs> for this week. <laughs> so yeah, we'll probably have to do a follow-up. I've, I've been doing um, full body, like functional style workouts. So I'm oh, in nice. absolute agony. Just, I just fancy to switch up and something different, only, only temporarily for a few weeks, I imagine. But um, yeah, so every bit of my body is absolutely killing at the moment. But yeah, all good. All good oh, and good. Nice. And I've actually <laughs> changed my live workouts they're kind of live. I used to do them live on Facebook. Yeah. I was having problems. I've created a folder um, and it's a bit awkward saving live workout lives in a folder on Facebook. I don't know if okay. you've ever done that. You've got to download it and re-add it. But because I play music, I've been told off by Sony and UMG. Oh, <laughs> they, no. They now own loads of these videos. So I can't do, I can't save them. I can't download them. So what I've done, what I've tried today is done a live work, but not live, recorded it as if it's live. So okay, basically yeah. like talking to myself. So it's still real time and then uploaded it. So I've, I've, I'm trialing that this week. So it seems to be going all right. I haven't been told off yet. Uh, well, I've got, I might have something that'll help you out. So we'll speak about that later on the, the music side of things. But yeah. Ah, fab. But yeah, it's been, been a nightmare. So... I'm trying in a different way oh. of doing my lives. And it's a bit weird not speaking to anyone because I'm yeah, obviously talking. Yeah. <laughs> and on the live, they type and I interact. So it was a bit weird not having anyone to interact to. 
but at least I'd be able to save it in the folder. So it's all good. Yeah, it's all fun and games. All right, Yay. so uh, do you want to tell everyone what is coming up today? Yeah, we are talking about nutrition myths. Um, the six of them we're going to be covering from breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Carbs make you fat. Eating late at night makes you gain weight. Artificial sweeteners are worse than sugar. You have to eat little and often to lose body fat. And the sixth one is too much protein is bad for you. So Jessica is going to go through breakfast. My favorite meal of the day. Yeah, mine too, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> but is it the most important meal of the day? That is what we are going to find out question. now. <laughs> so yes, many people think that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. They say, I have to eat breakfast to be healthy or to lose weight. That is most people's opinion I find so since, since becoming a coach I have found that many people do like to overcomplicate things um, when it comes to fat loss and they start looking at all of these different variables and trying to change too many different things at once and obviously one of them is that they tend to see the fact that they don't eat breakfast as a bad thing or they think that in order to be um, to be healthy or to lose weight that they have to eat breakfast on my assessment form, you know, I ask a little bit about their current diet and they say, I don't eat breakfast. I know that's really bad and I need to be healthy. <laughs> so yeah, I get it all the time. But, and this is probably because of the fact that it is drummed into us by advertising, you know, by breakfast cereal companies. And even the NHS on their website, they state that breakfast is an important part of being healthy and they've got this big spiel, you know. Um, I'm gonna start by dispelling this myth immediately. And telling you that whether or not you eat breakfast isn't going to affect your rate of fat loss um, or your health for that matter. As we've mentioned a lot, you know, I know this is only podcast number four, but I think we've covered it a lot already. You are going to lose fat if you're in a calorie deficit, i.e. if you're consuming less energy than you're burning. If you're consuming more calories than you're burning, you're going to gain weight. And if you're consuming the same amount of calories as you're burning, your weight will remain the same. It's not going to affect general health and it's not going to affect your fat loss if you're in a calorie deficit. So now that we've got that out of the way, there is, of course, more to, more to it than that. And there are many other things that we do need to take into consideration. And Generally, what's been found over the years in the case of breakfast and many other things is that those people who tend to eat breakfast, um, you know, naturally, on the whole, they usually tend to be more health seeking, you know, inverted commas, individuals. And what that means is they naturally tend to care more about their health in general. They may already be tracking things such as their calorie intake, exercising regularly, etc. So, we're always fed advice stating don't eat breakfast because otherwise you'll snack throughout the day. And of course, if you haven't eat breakfast, eaten breakfast, naturally you aren't going to feel as full or you'll feel hungrier. But over and over again, the research is actually showing us that skipping breakfast leads to an overall reduction in energy intake or the amount of calories we're consuming. Recent studies have shown that eating breakfast can actually result in weight gain, particularly in obese clients or in overweight clients who start eating breakfast, you know, if they didn't before, because they think it's healthy. And what we often find is that they tend to end up consuming more calories than they were before because they don't do anything else with the rest of their energy intake throughout the rest of the day, you know, they're not reducing calories from their other meals or snacks. So 
by adding breakfast, they're actually then eating even more, if that makes sense, because they've decided to eat breakfast thinking that they're, that is the healthy thing or the right thing to do. So my advice ultimately is to focus on the bigger picture and stop getting bogged down really in the minor details that aren't really going to have that much of an impact, such as whether or not you eat breakfast. So of course, if you aren't having breakfast, but you then find you're mindlessly snacking or grabbing something on the go that's of a really low nutritional value or super high in calories, for example, then in this case, I would suggest that we look to incorporate a balanced breakfast with a good protein content in order to avoid this happening. But for me, it really comes down to personal preference and to the needs of the individual person. Provided you're staying within your calorie target, you're hitting your protein goal and you're fueling your body, you know, with nutritious foods on the whole, then whether you eat breakfast or not really isn't important. And then interestingly, just to point out some other facts outside of, you know, weight loss or general health when it comes to breakfast that people might find insightful as well is in relation to things like brain activity and concentration. So We've also been told for such a long time that we have to eat breakfast or we won't be able to concentrate properly. I think for most of us, well, for me as well, this was drummed into me as a child. You know, we have to eat breakfast before you go to school, otherwise your brain won't function. (laughs) Um, In actual fact, studies on the effects of breakfast versus non-breakfast on brain activity have demonstrated that there is no statistically significant improvement in task performance or on cognitive ability whether you eat breakfast or not. So personally, I absolutely love breakfast. (laughs) We've both just said it's our favorite meal of the day. I hate skipping it, but that is my personal preference. I've eaten the same breakfast for about 15 years and it varies in quantities and some things such as peanut butter might get added or removed over time, depending on whether I'm on a diet or not on a diet. But I love nothing more than my bowl of oats and whey with blueberries and strawberries. I literally never get bored of it. I look forward to it every night when I go to bed and I'm just really sad, basically. (laughs) But I do tend to have it about four hours after I've got up because I get up, I go for my walk, I shower, get ready for work, I log on and then I sort of eat it. I do tend to find that I start looking for a mid-morning snack if I've eaten it too early and if, if I'm not on a diet, that's absolutely fine. I factor it in. But when I am dieting, I prefer to save those calories up for a little bit later. So uh, so I've learned that that's what works for me, basically. Um, but basically, to dispel the myth, you don't have to eat breakfast to be healthy or to lose fat. It all comes down to what you're eating in the rest of the day and the bigger picture. Um, but Obviously, you've just said, Michelle, well, in fact, I know for a fact you have two breakfasts because you posted them on your Instagram (laughs) yesterday. Tell us about that. (laughs) I do. I have two breakfasts every single day. So my first one, um, because I usually train in the morning, so I'll have oats um, after my walk. So after a couple of hours after I wake up, I'll have my um, oats, either with like Biscoff or um, cashews. And then a few hours after that, then I'll have my, so I've had my carbs and I'll have a carb-free second breakfast is usually turkey rashers, eggs, and spinach. And then at the minute I've replaced my oats because I found this cereal in M&S. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's, it's like granola, but it's called crunchy cereal and it's got bits of chocolate in it. Oh, lush. So I've been having that with yogurt and berries. And then my second breakfast is still my turkey rashers. But I love breakfast. If I go out for a meal, I'd rather go out for breakfast 
and go out for like an evening meal. Oh, me too, big time. I just love it so much. And you don't have to eat breakfast at breakfast time either. I usually eat breakfast food for lunch. <laughs> well, if, if, you know, I've had meetings all morning in work and say, for example, it might be like one o'clock and I've been in a meeting all day and I haven't eaten yet. I eat my breakfast. I'm not skipping my breakfast. I'd rather skip lunch and eat yeah, something same. else later. I'm not skipping my bowl of oats for anyone. But if I do go out for a breakfast, I tend to eat um, eggs Benedict. That's what I love. Oh, I always go for um, avocado, avocado and egg. Oh, nice. I do like I avocado. do love the breakfast they do in a place in Newport. They do halloumi with avocado and egg. Is that Drago Lounge? So good. No, Drago Lounge, I have something else. I have the... Um, Oh, what's it called? The chorizo with guacamole and... Oh, I haven't menu. tried that. Every time oh, I go, I look nice. at the menu. There's so much on there that I want, but... Park Pantry is the one I get the... Halloumi. Oh, Park Pantry, yes. It's so yeah. nice. I love halloumi. So, yeah, I love breakfast. Another thing I will say about breakfast is the PT course that we were talking about. Oh, they yeah. actually teach you. So, all my <laughs> old clients... I am sorry, I did use to force you to eat breakfast because <laughs> I was taught on the PT course that you have to eat breakfast. And the PT course, ho- hopefully they've changed it now, but it was 2012 that I actually did the PT course and then qualified in 2013. So, um, yeah, so sorry to my clients, so I forced fed breakfast. <laughs> but I mean, that's the most important thing, isn't it? And we probably say things now that science is evolving constantly so we're probably yeah. things right now that in a year we might be like oh actually you know things have moved on a little bit by then they've done more studies so I'm that and that's the beauty of it but I think in at least we can own up be honest and tell everybody about it you know we're we're speaking about the evidence that is there at the time of us recording that's not to say that things can't change over time yeah exactly but yeah okay so that's breakfast covered so you don't have to eat breakfast if you don't want to If you don't normally eat breakfast, don't suddenly start forcing yourself to eat breakfast. However, if you are picking things that are of high calorie content or low nutritional value because you are starving, then it might be a good idea to start planning a more healthy breakfast and you might find that you're uh, snacking a little bit less there. But Michelle, are you going to tell us now about carbs? Yeah, so carbs, love a carb. So carbs make you gain weight. So... Obviously, this is not true. It's, it's a myth. Carbs are the body's energy source. Now, where carbs make you gain weight comes from is the fact that carbs, but more so glycogen, contains water. So let me just explain to you about that. So when you eat carbs, the body breaks down most carbohydrates from foods that we eat and converts them into a type of sugar called glucose. Glucose is the main source of fuel for our cells. Now, when the body doesn't use the glucose for energy, it is stored in the liver and muscles as glycogen. So liver glycogen is used to maintain blood glucose and muscle glycogen is used as a force. So they're um, used for the force in our muscle. So when we train, for example. So let me just break this down and explain to you. So the blood, we can store 0.9 glucose per litre. Now in the liver, we can store 80 to 100 grams of glycogen. In the muscle, we can store 400 grams to 800 grams of glycogen in the muscle. Now this is the important part. For each gram of glycogen that we stored in the body also contains three grams of water. Okay. 
So I'm just going to break this down. So I'm just going to give you an example. So I'm going to go middle range, those examples I just give you. I'm going to go middle range. So the liver, let's just say, for example, so the liver, you're containing 90 grams of glycogen. Now, because there's three grams of water per gram of glycogen, you're also holding three, uh, 270 grams of water. That equals 360 grams. Now, the muscle, let's go middle range. Let's say you're holding 600 grams of glycogen. There's three grams of water per gram. So you're also holding 1,800 grams of water. Now, that equals 2.4 kilograms. So add the two together. So say, for instance, you're holding that much in your body because you haven't used it as energy yet. That adds up to 2.7 kilograms that you're holding in your body. Now, that's a large amount of body weight. Okay. So let's say, for example, that you're someone who you're going on a diet and you reduce the amount of carbs. So you start a low carb diet. Now, the initial reduction in body weight could be body fat because you're reducing your calories. So you're now in a calorie deficit. But one of the main contributing factors and maybe the large biggest factor they have reduced. So you have reduced the amount of glycogen content in the body and therefore reduced the amount of water. So when you go on a low-carb low diet, like the ketogenic diet, because you're not eating carbs and then you've used the carb stores in the body, the main amount that you've lost will be water. So on the flip side, so let's say, for example, on the weekend, you overindulge and you have a high carbohydrate foods. Now, let's say, for instance, we've talked about calorie banking. So you've saved a load of calories for the weekend. So on Saturday night, you have pizza, wedges and cake, massive carb high foods. So and then you weigh then on the Monday morning and you've gained a kilo. Now, you, we know that there's 3500 calories per one pound of body fat. Now you've been in with your calories, but you've just had a big high carb meal two days ago. So that equals, so you weighed on Monday morning, you've gained a kilo in body weight and you panic, you say within your calories, does it make sense? Now you've had a high carb um, meal on a Saturday night and the weekend is your weekend off training. So your body hasn't used that as energy. So you're still holding that as energy. So carbs is the body's energy source. So that equals 250 grams of glycogen and 750 grams of water that you're holding in your body. That's a kilo of body weight. Okay, so the fluctuations in body weight is more likely associated with this. Now, unless to, to gain one kilo of body weight, you need to over over, over 7,000 calories. Now, you just got to ask yourself, did I overeat 7,000 calories and I've gained over two pounds in weight? Or no, I haven't. So just remember that it's, it's the glycogen stores and the, the water that you're holding. It's not body fat. So this is where carbs make your fat comes from. It basically comes from the fact that carbs have a lot of water in them. So unless you overate by a lot of calories and the, the scales go up, it's not fat that you've gained, it's just water. If you had people ask you before about carbs, make you gain weight? All the time. <laughs> and people, um, 
after you know after the high calorie or the calorie banking day like my clients do the same most of them bank some calories for a higher um volume meal on the saturday night um they quite often comment for some reason i always feel much heavier after the higher calorie day and i'm trying to explain <laughs> it but i think that was explained really really well and i hope that people take that in and really listen to it um and understand it because the body fluctuates all the time. And that's why I like my clients to weigh themselves daily. Um, so they can start to understand and acknowledge the fluctuations themselves. Because, you know, even if they haven't overeaten, if, if it hasn't been the higher calorie day, for example, they might have had a higher carb meal the one day, they might have higher fat meal the next day, they're going to weigh a little bit more the next day, probably after that higher carb meal because of the extra glycogen stores. So I am really glad that you've just explained it that way. And I hope that people take it on board and start, um, well, start to stop demonizing carbs. I think it's becoming a bit more um, understood these days, but there are still so many people that just panic so much about that scale and the fluctuations and focusing so much on what that says. And I hope that we can really get people to start understanding what's actually going on in their bodies and to stop stressing so much <laughs> yeah exactly so as we explained before so um obviously to gain body fat you need to be in a surplus so carbs are not the enemy carbs do not make you gain weight they may make you gain scale weight not body fat scale weight because your body's holding water my advice if you have a big carb meal use those carbs use that extra energy the next day and have a really good training session you know put those calories to good use so don't panic if you have some pizza and you weigh a bit more the next day because you're going to. It's, it's just glycogen, it's just water. After a few days, it goes. Put those extra calories to good use and have a heavy training session. It's my advice. Use them. <laughs> Put them yeah, to good definitely. Use. I love uh, a good carb-fueled training session. Yes. Better. I've obviously just eaten my uh, rice cakes and Nutella, so I'm going to be ready for my session after this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was a bit about carbs. We got a little bit about fat next. Um, no, we haven't, sorry. <laughs> I'm lying, I am talking. Yeah, we're not gonna go through all of them. We just picked out the main ones, so. Yeah, well, I'm gonna talk a bit now about eating smaller meals to boost metabolism and burn fat, which is something that, again, has been drummed into us. Um, oh, I used to live by this for years. Me too so many years to the point where um i used to eat a meal because it was so small i used to have like six five or six more meals i used to eat a meal and still be starving and then i'd have to wait i had to time it and then wait three <laughs> hours before i eat another small meal but i'll still be starving and i was clock watching before i can eat another small meal it's just a ridiculous way to live yeah it is definitely and i'm sure most of the listeners have either still believe it or have believed it you know, at some point, you know, even up until really recently, like I think for both of us, it was probably in the last couple of years rather than, you know, a Again, long Again, it was in the personal ago. training course as well, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's in the personal training course. And obviously it's the way that bodybuilders um, tend to eat as well. So we've obviously worked with bodybuilding coaches over the years. So I guess it was instilled in us from that as yeah. well. But, but so, yeah, and also magazines, magazines for as long as I can remember, have been telling us to eat little and often to boost our metabolism and burn fat. It's everywhere. I think even now it's there. But now it is actually worth pointing out before I go on any further that when we talk about meal frequency, 
the importance of meal frequency does actually vary depending on your goal. So if your goal is to build muscle, then meal timing and frequency does have a little bit more importance. And so hence why the bodybuilders will, you know, have a bit more of a regimen, but that's in terms of the protein rather than anything else. So they need to make sure they're getting a regular intake of protein in order to maximize muscle protein synthesis rather than consuming it all in one or two larger meals. But in terms of fat loss, there is actually no scientific evidence that increasing meal frequency increases the rate of fat loss. Again, the number one most important factor, if your goal is fat loss, is to be in that calorie deficit. And there have been many studies carried out on this topic, and the results aren't always what people would expect to see based on what we've been told for so long, you know, via these magazines and PT courses and everything that we've just said. There was one study that tested out adults eating their maintenance calories spread out between either three meals a day or in just one meal. They found that body weight decreased slightly, fat mass decreased slightly, and hunger levels increased. Um, and that meal frequency didn't impact their heart rate, body temperature, or most blood variables. Um, and that was in the people who ate just one meal. And other studies have shown similar findings as well. And what the myth is telling us is that eating smaller meals more often will boost our metabolism. But again, studies tend to show quite the opposite. So one study tested this out by measuring the thermic effect of food, of eating 750 calories in one meal or 125 calories in six smaller meals. So again, 750 calories, but spread out over a period of three to five hours in smaller meals. And in fact, what that study found is that the thermic effect of food, so if you remember from last week, uh, the calories burned in order to digest the food, was actually higher in the one meal group. So the group that ate the 750 calories burned more calories in consuming and digesting that food. So before people start thinking that I'm now obviously promoting or stating that eating less meals is actually better, it's important to provide some context. So in each of these cases, the differences shown in the data is very, very minimal. So in the case that I've just mentioned with 750 calorie one meal versus the six smaller meals, and I've said that, you know, they found that the thermic effect of food was higher in those who ate the one meal. The difference was only 16 calories higher than in the group who ate the five smaller meals. So what I'm trying to get across basically is that it doesn't really matter. You know, that difference is so, so minor that it really doesn't warrant people becoming so caught up in what time they're eating their meals. And especially because there's so many other elements outside of things going you know, outside of this, things that are going on over the course of the day, aside from food, you've got your exercise, your sleep, your activity, you know, once again here, the importance is in the bigger picture. And that is eating a variety of nutritious foods throughout the course of the day and being within your targets if you have them set, you know, for a specific goal. When working with my clients, if somebody is struggling to get anywhere near their calorie or protein target by the end of the day, then this is where I might then suggest introducing some structure and routine to help them with this. But if I've then got another client who is hitting their target, they're getting great results and they're eating just two big meals a day, then I'm not going to alter it. I'm not going to tell them, you know, you have to stop this and eat one meal every three hours. It really does just come down to behaviors and what helps each individual person get results and stick to something rather than anything else. So 
personally for me I like structure I gotta be honest I plan my meals I have the same routine for breakfast lunch dinner and snacks you know I tend to eat them around about the same time because I do find that if I leave it to chance you know I'm so busy with work and stuff I guess to the end of the day and then I'm a little bit all over the place you know I might be nowhere near my protein or so for me I just find that it helps to have that routine I'm I'm a routine person anyway in all areas of my life not just food and also I get bored too and I like having kind of smaller meals to look forward to because otherwise I do find that I want to reach out for more snacks even if I've eaten the same amount of calories so again this is what works for me I enjoy eating this way but I certainly don't eat this way because I think I'm boosting my metabolism and again you know it just comes down to that bigger picture if you are just you know living normally or trying to lose fat then meal frequency and timing throughout the day just does not matter at all so again stop stressing over it (laughs) what's your thoughts on on this michelle have you got um experience with your clients i guess do you provide structure for your clients if they're struggling and things like that as well yeah so on the app i provide um like meal examples just to show them how they can plan their day especially if they're um like shift workers and stuff like that they they struggle but just go with like when you're hungry like some people are hungry early in the day some people are like i'm hungrier later so i'll like spread my breakfast out um but yeah like some days i'll have like four meals some days i have five meals um but yeah so with my clients some of them might help them with with structure um yeah yeah but i'm just going back for when i used to live by the small meals is such a sad way to live I know and I like I said I get bored I I find myself even if I've got exactly the same calories portioned out for the day like if I eat it later I, I will end up snacking I will end up overeating because that's just me so I know that if I keep it structured that I'm okay but again I'm not doing it because I think my metabolism is going to be on fire and I'm suddenly becoming this fat burning <laughs> machine <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish I was by doing that but um but no it's it's not it's just the way I like to eat I'm very structured person but yeah I'm I'm structured now but I I prefer to eat a bigger meal in the evening it's just when I'm hungrier yeah. so I like to eat a meal now and feel like I've eaten whereas before when I was doing the bodybuilding way you would eat but you wouldn't feel like you've eaten anything. You'd still be hungry because obviously the, the meal is like 100 grams of chicken, like 100 grams of rice. Yeah, you've got um, no big meal to look forward to. Like, Yeah, I like to have, like I always say to my clients, have at least one thing forward to eating, whether that's a snack or an actual meal. Just have like one thing a day that you look, look forward to eating. And that's what I do. So I've got that cereal that I found in m So I can't wait to have that again tomorrow morning. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> okay, so moving on from here then, what myth are you bringing up next, Michelle? I'm going with carbs or eating late at night. So eating, not necessarily just carbs, but eating late at night makes you gain weight. So... Okay where this i think it come from so still touching on a little bit what i said about carbs um carbs make you gain weight um so eating late at night where i think it comes from so for example so where you eat late at night obviously you're not 
as active. So if you eat late at night, your body's not going to use that energy. So like I just explained above, so obviously because you're not using that energy, your body's going to store it as glycogen. With one gram of glycogen, there's three grams of water. So what your body is doing is just storing that energy for when you're going to use it maybe the next day. So eating late at night does not make you gain weight. So say, for instance, you're on a calorie deficit, you're on 1,500 calories. Regardless on what time of day you've eaten those calories, so if you eat them all before six o'clock, or if you eat them all after six o'clock, within 24 hours, you've still ate 1,500 calories. So it doesn't matter what time of day you eat them. So obviously, if you're going to eat a big carb meal late at night, and then you weigh the next morning, then yes, the scale weight might go up, but it's not body fat, it's just scale weight. So it's just your body holding the the water from the, the meal that you ate the night before. So don't worry about what time that you, that you eat. So it is preference. Like personally, I like eating a meal about an hour, hour and a half before I go to bed. Um, I just like going to bed feeling full. I just like eating a big meal in the evening. It's something that I look forward to. And there's actually um, scientific evidence. So there was a study that eating carbs at night actually helps you sleep. And personally, that it worked for me. So I do have a higher carb meal in the evening and it does help me, help me go to sleep. So regardless on what time you eat and it does not make you gain weight. So don't worry about, I don't know where six o'clock come from. No, six I have no idea. Like probably the magazines <laughs> again. Uh, yeah. No idea. So yeah. So I don't know where six o'clock come from. So you don't have to worry about eating your big family meal before six o'clock. Or if you're someone who likes to have snacks watching Netflix at night, obviously you can save your calories for it. You're not going to gain that as weight. So regardless on what time of day you eat your calories, so as long as you stick within your calorie deficit, if your goal is fat loss, if, you, if you're on 1,500 calories, regardless on if you eat them all before six o'clock or if you eat them all after six o'clock, you've still ate the same amount of calories. So it doesn't matter. So where I think it comes from is just the fact that you're not going to be using that energy in the evening because we do tend to slow down in the evening. Obviously, we don't expend as much energy. Our neat and on exercise energy thermogenesis slows down because obviously we're not moving as much. We chill out, watch Netflix. But that energy that you've eaten will get used up the next day. So you're not going to get fat if you eat after six o'clock. <laughs> no, the world, the world doesn't end if you eat after six o'clock. And I hope not because I eat my meal usually around 11 o'clock. <laughs> That's when I usually eat my last meal lately anyway, because I've been going to bed a little bit late, being a bit naughty. But um, I love my, my evening meal so much. And well, it's yogurt. It's a good mix of everything, really. I, I, at the moment, I'm having 170 grams of total, you know, the little pots of total 0% mm -hmm. yogurt. Um, I have that with 40 grams of granola, two squares of lint, touch of sea salt, dark chocolate. And then I have a pink lady apple all chopped up. So it's pretty carb central. Um, but oh my God, it's my favorite meal like that and breakfast. I think breakfast is first and then that's the number one for me. Do you tend to eat the same thing at night or is it just your like last meal, your main meal? And that's Yeah, it? so I, I have a... I do have some kind of structure. I'm kind of like you. So during the week, especially Monday to Thursday, Phil's not here. So right. I kind of eat the, the same thing. So on the weekend, I cooked a big thing of um, batch of meatballs. 
meatballs, pasta, with just like um, chopped tomatoes. Nice. So I basically had that every night this week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have the same thing. So I do it and I'll have the same lunch. So this, my lunch was like hex sausages, half a bag of tilde rice and veg. My evening meal this week is the meatballs and pasta. Like last week it was like flavored chicken and um, potatoes. So I do kind of have the more or less the same thing. So I'll cook something and then I'll have it for the same cook it in back Thursday but it's kind of the same I'll rotate it so then next week I'll probably go back to the chicken and potatoes then the week after I'll probably go back to the meatballs and pasta (laughs) (laughs) so it is kind of the same thing but it's just Just easy to cook easy to stick to and then Friday Saturday and Sunday I'll eat with Phil so we'll kind of just I'll have something different then yeah lush I, not, I, I, not, I, not as structured but my evening meal I look forward to because it's is bigger it fills me up and because I've been eating the bodybuilding way for so long yeah it's just nice to have a meal and feel like you've eaten so and normal yeah just feel normal just have a dinner on a plate as well instead yeah. of that Tupperware warm it's like a normal human being yeah warm all right it, it is pre-cooked Monday to Thursday but it is warmed up but <laughs> at least it's on a plate like a normal human yeah exactly and it's interesting actually you said about the um obviously the carbs can have an effect where they make you feel sleepy now I think what some people find is if they eat like a huge lunch for example in work you know when you go back to your desk and everyone's like oh I can't be bothered now it's after lunch and I'm so mm-hmm. tired like it might be better for those people to eat more of a lighter lunch and then save their carbs for later so they're for a bit later. productive yeah in the afternoon so they don't tend to have that slump but um but yeah that's just something again individual preference it always comes down to everybody reacts differently to different things so it's it's it ultimately you know it's always going to come down to what you can adhere to you know what you prefer to do and the easiest thing for you to stick to I think yeah it? exactly so if you're someone who find that you like snacking watching Netflix like don't cut out your snacks because it's not you're gonna not gonna be able to adhere to it. So if no. you're someone who likes having a big meal in the evening and then having some snacks watching Netflix, then save some calories for it and, and don't completely take them out because you're not gonna be able to stick to it. You're gonna end up face planting a whole pot of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> so you may as well just keep your snacks in because you're gonna be you're gonna adhere to it. You're not going to adhere to cutting out all your snacks in the evening if no. you're someone who enjoys a snack in the evening. No, exactly. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to move on now to myths about protein, mainly the myths that protein or too much protein is bad for you. And, you know, the one that girls tend to say a lot is, you know, I'm not looking to get big muscles. They think that protein is all about building muscle. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it's part of it, but, you know, it's not to be all and end all so yeah so yeah until recently I guess most people did associate protein a high protein diet with bodybuilders um it's always been well known that bodybuilders eat a lot of protein and for this reason I think most people have only ever associated protein intake with building muscle you know growing big and strong and obviously like we just said while it does play a vital role in the diet of bodybuilders what people tend to forget is that protein intake is important for everyone so for those who follow fitness accounts on social media they probably see this more and more these days because it is becoming more you know widespread that protein is important 
and that's for good reason and i'm glad of that um and now we obviously have these platforms available to us it's great that we can start educating more and more people on these things so i think it's safe to say that for both of us when a client first comes to us to for coaching 99 percent of their time i would say their protein intake is far too low when they first come to us yeah um i definitely find that i give people a protein target and in that first week as they begin tracking their food um, 90% of them will struggle to reach the target in the first week, which is fine. Obviously, it's a starting point and we're going to improve from there on. But this is bearing in mind, mind for the fact that for most people, knowing that they're going to struggle and knowing that they're eating, you know, very low protein to begin with, the target I give them is at the very, very low end of the range of, you know, bare minimum levels that they should be eating. <laughs> so I'm not giving them, you know, stupid, crazy high amounts of protein to eat. But, and of course, as the weeks go on, people become more comfortable with it. They become more experimental with their nutrition and cooking a lot more and they find it easier and easier to hit the target. And that's what it's all about. But still to this day, people do state things such as, but I thought too much protein was bad for you or I don't want to get big, huge muscles. Um, and firstly, obviously, I just want to make it clear that I'm not blaming anyone for thinking this or, you know, for any of these myths that we're, that we're bringing up today. They obviously have come from somewhere, so nobody's to blame. But unfortunately, as with many things, especially in terms of nutrition, the media is hugely to blame, I think, for giving people this misconception. I've seen it reported myself many times over the years, you know, about protein, too much protein is bad for you. And of course, people are then going to become scared. I hope that, like I said earlier, through coaching and through platforms such as this podcast, that we are able to educate people and get them to stop listening to everything the media says, you know, without going and doing some further research first or asking experts at least. But again, it's not even just the media, the government guidelines and the reference nutrient intake or the RNI also cause a lot of confusion. And like we've already discussed, government guidelines and these RNIs are used in personal training exams. Um, I've always been into research and I've spent years listening to experts and reading on these topics. So even when I took my PT exams eight years ago, I knew I obviously had to answer the questions in a specific way to get the right answer and pass the course. But I also knew that they weren't necessarily correct, you know, in terms of this protein, because of the other things I was reading around it and research. Um, so here I'm talking about things like the recommended daily allowance for males being 2,500 calories and 2,000 calories for females. And I'm not obviously going to go into that here because that's a whole different topic, but that's just to give you a type, an idea of the type of things that will come up in the personal training course and exams. So above I mentioned this RNI or reference nutrient intake. So I just explained a little bit more about what that is. So the government has set various nutrient recommendations and dietary guidelines for the UK population, as every government does for their own populations. You know, in every country, they've all got slightly different RNIs and government guidelines. But the current RNI for protein for adults in the UK is 0.75 grams per kilogram of body weight per day which they state equates to approximately 56 grams a day for men and 45 grams a day for women. Now I've looked on the NHS website as well, and there's a blanket guide of 50 grams. That's the target that they've got 50 grams in the definitions. They state that the RNI represents the best estimate of the amount of a nutrient that is enough or more than enough for about 97% of people in a group. 
if average intake of a group is at the level of the RNI, then the risk of deficiency in a group is very small. Now this RNI is actually based on information from the very early 90s. It's very, very outdated and even experts now agree that this is far too low. But it's understandable that people may then panic if they're given a protein target by coaches such as Michelle or I, that on the face of it seems much higher than this RNI because I don't think either of us are giving anybody a target of 56 grams a day. Crazy. So, I know. So the latest evidence now indicates that somewhere in the region of 1.2 grams to 1.6 grams per kilogram of high quality protein is a more ideal target for achieving optimal health. Now, we're obviously talking just the basic minimum levels for optimum health here. So this would obviously then change or increase depending on certain other goals an individual may have, for example, when they're on a diet or when they're trying to build muscle. So we've got there our target range of 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilograms for the general population. For endurance athletes, the optimal requirements may increase up to around you know, 1.7 grams per kilogram. And then for those whose main goal is to build muscles, such as bodybuilders, the optimal target or target range for those would be more along the lines of anywhere from 1.8 grams to 2.7 grams per kilogram. But even going above these optimal ranges doesn't necessarily mean anything bad is going to happen. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world and it's not going to harm your body. So where has this myth come from that protein is too bad for you? Probably due to the fact that there is evidence which shows that those with kidney disease may benefit from a lower protein intake. But this is specifically related to those with an existing kidney disease. Those of us with normal, healthy functioning kidneys don't need to worry at all. There is no negative impact on those with normal kidney function. And there is extensive research which proves this as well. So again, it's just another of those cases where something is being misconstrued and twisted and people are led to believe that something just isn't the case. You know, they're, they're making it seem like too much protein damages the kidneys when it doesn't. If you've already got damaged kidneys or kidneys that aren't functioning properly then yes too much protein isn't probably the wisest or your you know the medical experts that you're working with will advise on every individual case but for the general population we don't need to stress and regarding the rni something people may wonder is if the experts say that people need more protein than what is actually stated why isn't the rni changed to reflect that and to be honest, this is something that I've always wondered as well. And I didn't really find out the answer until recently on our nutrition course. And the simple answer is that a lot of it comes down to money. So it's very, very costly for the government to update these RNIs and it can have an impact on many, many things. One of them, for example, being when we're providing uh, aid to foreign countries, if the RNI is changed to 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram, from the current 0.75 or 0.8 whatever it is then we would have to increase the amount of protein provided which obviously then comes at a cost and for me I, I thought that was really fascinating and that was something that I hadn't um, considered before but I had always wondered you know why why are the guidelines so low so I think or I hope that I've dispelled the myth that protein is too bad for you but what are the reasons for eating adequate amounts of protein what are the benefits of it there are a lot of benefits, um, but some of the key ones are 
it increases muscle recovery. I know we've covered some of these in our nutrition podcast, but I just want to reiterate it. Increases muscle recovery. It keeps your skin and hair healthy. So if you, know, if you do increase your protein intake, then you are going to notice a difference in your skin and hair. It increases satiety or you know, helps keep you feel fuller for longer, which is a bonus when it comes to dieting. That's why we say about eating more protein because you're going to feel fuller, less likely to snack, more satisfied. As we've mentioned, there is a higher thermic effect of food than carbs or fats. So again, this is going to help you with weight loss. Our bodies expend more energy digesting protein than carbs or fat. So in, that, in doing that, we increase in our energy expenditure or the calories burned. Protein helps to keep the immune system healthy and functioning well. And as we mentioned previously on another podcast, helps to prevent sarcopenia. I don't know if that's how I say it, sarcopenia, penia, which is an age-related muscle disease. So for the elderly, higher amounts of protein, again, maybe even slightly more beneficial combined as well with resistance training to help prevent this disease. There are so many benefits to protein. I've obviously covered a few there. We've discussed them before and I know I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I do think protein is such an important topic. It is misunderstood and people do need to be aware of it. And I really hope that females especially start to recognize the benefits and understand they're not going to suddenly grow huge muscles if they eat a lot of protein. It's about far more than that. You are going to grow some muscle, of course, but we want that. Um, and, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, ladies, stop being afraid of protein shakes. You don't have to eat a drink a protein shake but if you are struggling to get the recommended intake of protein then there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a protein shake whatsoever it comes from the cheese production there's nothing wrong with it so stop being afraid of it i know some of the people who come to me to work with me they're a bit nervous about drinking protein shakes and they prefer to get it from food which is fine if they can but if they are struggling there is nothing to worry about so yeah, pro, too much protein isn't bad for you. The RNI is far too low. All experts agree and it needs to be updated. It's very, very outdated information. And you're not just going to suddenly grow into the She-Hulk by upping your protein intake. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I went off on a massive tangent there, but I just uh, That's all right. wanted to get it across. <laughs> because I think people are just so used to eating. I can't... People just eat such little amounts of protein when they first come. Yeah, loads of my clients struggle when they first, yeah. first start and they panic that they can't get it in. But yeah, if you're new to tracking, especially tracking protein and you're struggling to get it in, like don't panic. So it's all about um, like progress. Yeah. So if, exactly. you're, if you're now paying attention to your protein and you're eating more than before, then that's progress. So yeah. don't panic that you're not getting your protein in, but. It, sometimes it can be hard, especially if you're not a meat eater. It is quite hard to, to yeah, eat protein. Yeah, definitely. Intake. Especially if you're, you know, for vegetarians, you know, they might be able to get it in from dairy products. But for vegans, I think even harder. Not impossible, but it's definitely more difficult. And in order yeah. to get, you know, the right amino acids and the right quality protein as well, they need to eat a huge variety of food and and to supplement a little bit. But again, that's that's too much for today's podcast. <laughs> But um, okay, I've gone off on one there. So Michelle, artificial sweeteners. Yeah, last Hello. one. So the myth with artificial sweeteners, so they're worse than sugar, 
bad for your health and will make you fat and cause type 2 diabetes. Now, this statement caused a stir back a few years ago, and this is where the myth around um, artificial sweeteners cause type 2 diabetes. So this was on a radio and it caused a lot of stir. So it was um, daily consumption of diet soda, come from America, was associated with 36% greater relative risk of indecent metabolic syndrome and a 67% greater relative risk of indecent type 2 diabetes compared with non-consumption of diet soda. So, so there were people saying that diet coke causes diabetes coming from this statement. Now, the statement didn't say that. So it basically said that there's an association that people who drink Diet Coke and diabetes. Now, why that might be the case. So for instance, so if you have diabetes and you're told the sugar is not good for you and you like a, a Coke, what would you do? Would you choose a Coke or would you swap to Diet Coke? Well, of course you would swap to Diet Coke. Then when you're asked, do you drink diet drinks? You say yes. And then you're asked, do you have diabetes? Yes. So this is where you get the cohort study showing the where this comes from. So basically a person who already had diabetes swapped to diet drinks because they can no longer have sugar. So this is where it comes from that um, diet coke caused type 2 diabetes. It didn't the person that or in the studies, the people that they were looking at already had diabetes and switched their coke to diet coke. So where did all this come from in the beginning? So it basically come from uh, sparsemin scares and conspiracy theories in the US from the 1970s to the 80s. And they did animal studies. So we don't really pay attention to animal studies because most of the data doesn't actually transfer to humans. So it's irrelevant. So the studies were actually done on animals. So Another thing that people think is um, like insulin response. So do sweet sweeteners initiate an insulin response? So symptomatic, I think that's how you say it, review on sweeteners <laughs> and glucose absorption and insulin response concluded there was no consistent evidence that intense sweeteners cause insulin release or lower blood sugar in normal subjects. So there's actually no evidence to prove it. So sweeteners versus sugar for weight loss. Now, this is a study. So replacement of calorific sweeteners with low calorie sweeteners alternatives. The meta-analysis of 15 um, showed that switching. So there's a study on 15 um, people. So switching from high calorie to low calorie alternatives resulted in a significant reduction in BMI, fat mass and weight circumference. So swapping sugar for sweetener might actually be a good way for you to reduce your calories. So if you're someone that drinks a lot of coke, puts sugar in your tea, just making those alterations so alternative so swapping your coke to diet coke swapping your sugar to sweetener can massively reduce your calorie intake so there's no scientific evidence that artificial sweeteners are bad for your health although 
obviously I wouldn't recommend having too much because too much of anything, too much of water is bad for you. Obviously you need to drink a lot, but too much of anything is bad for your health. So just swapping your, um, like your sugar and swapping to a diet Coke is, is not bad for you. And it's, it's not bad for your health. I have a diet Coke most days. Um, but I know my limit. I can drink a diet Coke, but if I drink two or three cans of diet Coke in one day, then I'll be bloated and feel uncomfortable. So too much of anything is bad for you. So if you're someone that likes a diet Coke, then have one. It's not bad for you. <laughs> I hate diet Coke. I really. Oh, I love a diet Coke. Oh my god, I hate. I love Pepsi Max. I'm a Pepsi. Oh, I'm not a Pepsi fan. Oh, I love. I like Coke Zero. I hate Diet Coke. So I don't know what the difference is between Coke Zero and Diet Coke. I think Coke Zero, do they put stevia in it maybe? I don't yeah, know. It's a different, it's a, um, a different sweetener in there. So I don't like Coke Zero because to me it tastes like normal Coke and leaves like a furry taste in your tongue. Yeah, I like normal Coke. It's just the diet one I don't like. But, you know, I like um, a monster. Although I don't have one every day. Um, and it's only, you know, the past sort of year I've started drinking them a little bit more and mainly if I'm getting hungry on my diet and I want to fill myself up a little bit. <laughs> but quite often I'll drink like half a can of Monster and I'll put the rest in the fridge and have the rest tomorrow because I do get really full from a fizzy drink. But yeah, that's when I tend to eat them is if I'm absolutely starving and um, uh, to drink them, sorry, if I'm absolutely starving. And now and again, I just fancy the taste. You know, we, we have Pepsi Maxes in the fridge and sometimes I'll fancy a sip, but even then I might get like three sips and then pass the rest to Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, like diet, like diet drinks can help you when you're dieting as well. Yeah. So if you fancy like something sweet, it takes like that sweetness away. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's no calories in it either. Exactly. Um, but I wouldn't recommend drinking doing. too much. Yeah. Yeah, not too much. Like I said, you wouldn't want to start relying on them and replacing your water intake for them at all, would you? But having one isn't going to have a negative impact on you at all. There's nothing wrong with it. So... But yeah, I can't believe you're a Diet Coke girl. Diet Coke. Oh, I love a Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I tried the new flavour monster finally this week, the blue one. Oh my God, it's amazing. Oh, I don't like them. See, I don't like the smell. Oh, don't you? Do you like Red no. Bull? No. Oh, no, I don't either. I thought you were going to say yes, because I was like, we're like... Oh, no. Not just on Red Bull either. <laughs> I can't stand Red Bull. The smell of it makes me... I'm a coffee drinker, though. You don't drink coffee, do you? No, I hate coffee. No, I love a coffee. Yeah, I, do, I really don't like coffee. I, I've tried. I keep trying to like it. I'm annoyed at my husband because we normally hate coffee. Like, we've always been like, we hate coffee. And suddenly he started to like coffee. And I'm like, you're leaving me behind. It's not fair. I want to like it. It was on prep. I started to drink it. So obviously when you're on prep, I couldn't have milk or anything. So I did like a latte now and then. But it wasn't really for the coffee. I, I don't know why. I just I used to have some caramel syrup in it so it was like quite oh, sweet. Okay. so obviously when I was on prep then I couldn't have them anymore and then my husband drank black black coffee and he was like just try it and I've just been hooked I can't drink a latte now with a sweetener in it with the caramel syrup but I can't drink a latte anymore really? so I've switched to, to black it's weird your taste buds change so I've switched to black coffee now and now I can't drink a latte especially one with the syrup in it it's too sweet oh well I'm I like tea. I don't like coffee. But again, I, it's very, very rare that I drink a tea every once in a blue moon. I might think, oh, I'll have a cup of tea, usually in the winter when it's freezing. But I used to. I've got such a sweet tooth. Like, I've always loved everything sweet and sugary. 
So the re I think one of the main reasons I didn't really drink much tea is because I used to like it with four sugars. And obviously I knew that all my teeth would fall out and I would probably get diabetes at some point if I was to knew that. So yeah, it's, um, but now I found this Candorel Sugarly, which if I ever have a cup of tea, I, I replace it with that. So artificial sweetener and it's exactly like sugar. It's like granulated. I don't know if you've tried it, you know, the blue, the blue bottle. Most sweeteners are a bit powdery, aren't they? And they make your tea go disgusting. But this one is exactly like sugar. Really sweet, really nice. So that's so what I have on my um, my oats. I put a little bit on my oats in the morning. I put sweetener. I can't have oats now without sweetener. No, me neither. Oh, I don't I have anything in my oats. <laughs> oh, I can't eat plain oats anymore. No, I used to be able to, but um, I, I do have a little bit of sweetener and I have my protein powder in there as well. But yeah, I, I like them anyway, really, but better with with sweetener yeah right well i think we've done pretty much another hour haven't we we're getting the <laughs> yeah long pod we always think we're not gonna have enough to talk about and then we just well probably just have to go for an extra long walk <laughs> yeah extra long walks more steps please <laughs> but yeah i think we'll cut it off there for today let everybody um get on with their day next week i think we're going to do a question and answer session we are yeah so if you've got any questions please send them to us inbox us or you know if you're not a client of us just send us an inbox any questions you want answered so we're going to be answering your questions yeah that'll be a really good one so please please give us uh give us your questions like like michelle said by dm or anything like that and we'll happily answer them get get them coming our way yeah you can do them anonymous as well so if you do want us to announce who uh, the question was asked if you just want to send us a question in our inbox and then please tell us if you want to be anonymous and we can just answer your, your question yeah. on the podcast and we don't have to tell anyone who asked it. No. And I think we'll both probably put the, um, the story on, you know, the question function in the Instagram story. If we both do that at some yeah. point next week as well. So we'll give you a couple of opportunities and reminders too. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that one and seeing what questions we get. That should be a good one. Um, yeah. I hope you have a good week. Um, where can, can people still sign up to your 10 week? challenge or yeah i have i haven't got many places i have got one place left to take on a new client so i have got one place left for this one for the 10-week plan starts on the 22nd and i've obviously got places to take on monthly clients so that, that that's not limited but because obviously the 10-week clients they all check in on the same day um, i limit it to 15 so i've got one place left on that so if you just at the bottom of this there is my um instagram handle so if you just send me um a dm i have got one space left to take on a new client so when's your eight weeks starting um, I've just launched another one now. So the next eight weeks is going to be launching on the 3rd of April. It is Easter weekend, but it's how bad you want it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Easter eggs have been out since Christmas. So if you do want to eat some Easter eggs, eat them before then. Yeah, and then I've already had one. <laughs> I'll be eating Easter eggs, that's for sure. And, you know, you can start on your higher calorie day anyway. But yeah, 3rd of April. And I also have um, spaces for you know, one-to-one -one monthly coaching as well, if people don't want to wait around for, for the challenge. But again, you'll find me on Instagram, send, send me a message, send Michelle a message, ask either, either of us and uh, yeah, that'll be good. Looking forward Fab, so, to it. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Please don't forget to share this. If you could share this on your Instagram stories, on your Facebook, um, help spread the word. That would be amazing. Thank you. 
And again, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great too, because it means more and more people get to get to see the podcast and hopefully start listening to us so we can yeah and follow us on spotify as well if you're listening on spotify please follow us yeah and if you're listening on google play i don't know about google play. I don't, <laughs> we don't mention google play because we don't use it we don't know, on there, google we don't play. know anything about it so but please if you're on there thank you so much yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't want to leave you google players out so thanks for listening <laughs> all right we'll speak to you soon bye thanks bye